Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And a few housekeeping reminders, as always, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also send us an email, info at gallerypodcasts.com. You can also call us up easily on your Amazon Alexa device. You just say, play Royally Obsessed Podcast. So easy. I hope my Alexa doesn't start going off in the background right now. I know. I'm going to apologize right off the bat for my voice, which is so froggy. I have a little bit of a stuffy nose. I don't know if it's allergies or a cold. I'm hoping it's just allergies, but... Calling you live from Florida at my parents' house. (laughs) I'm still just in Brooklyn, but I, you know, it's not feeling like fall here, which is the disappointing thing. It's so humid, but I know there's a hurricane off the coast and all that good stuff, but it's very balmy right now. Mm, It's hot. It's hot here as well. I can't wait for fall weather. I'm so excited and so excited for this episode. What do we have coming up today? All right, Roberta. On the Sussex front, we've got Invictus in full swing over in Dusseldorf. We have an in and out sighting. Windsor Castle pop-up from Harry. We're talking about the Waleses. They were honoring Queen Elizabeth II beautifully last Friday. We're going to dig into that. Also, a hair, coat, and suit conversation and a surprise rugby podcast appearance with Mike Tyndall and his co-hosts. Most importantly, we dropped by Sotheby's together in person, which was so, so special. We still haven't had a chance to properly reflect on that, but we spoke with Cynthia Holton, who is Sotheby's global head of fashion and accessories. And it was delightful to see the sheep sweater in person without the case on it. I just can't get over that still. I can't either. And that interview was so much fun, which is coming up later on the pod. But first, we always leave time for a royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. This week... I think we should have spicy marks to toast to Prince Harry's birthday. Yes, I love it. That's his drink of choice. It seems are the last few times we've heard about what they've been drinking. The Sussexes over in Montecito. It seems like there's been a lot of spicy marks. So cheers to Harry. We'll talk more about his birthday in the history section. Rachel, just as a quick catch up, even though I did see you last week, I feel like we didn't have time to even. I know we were so business, all business. We also I'm still dying. Roberta and I wore accidentally the same pretty much the same outfit. Even though it was like in pants form for you, in dress form for me, I wore all black because it was so hot in New York City. Texted Roberta to say that I was en route to see her and Matt told me I looked like I was dressed for a funeral. What was going on? And Roberta was like, I'm already on the train. How did this happen? I'm in all black too. (laughs) And it was actually perfect for the black sheep moment. But I did want to ask you, I know that it doesn't feel like fall, but what are you most looking forward to this coming few months. There's a lot on your plate right now. I know back to school is pretty crazy with Finn. Yeah, I feel like I'm looking forward to routine again. We've had a weepy couple of or I guess week with Finn adjusting to kindergarten, but I'm just looking forward to Brooklyn. I feel like I'm also very much looking forward to your birthday, which is coming up. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) I am looking forward to my birthday, too, because Dave just booked. He got this like these reservation that's very hard to get, I guess, in Philly. It's at Her Place Supper Club, which has been written up in the New York Times and in Food and Wine recently. She won Best New Chef. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh, Roberta. I'm also jetting off again, which is crazy, but going to (laughs) Egypt at the end of the month. So it's just a really so much exciting. So many exciting things to look forward to. The crown is coming up. There's a lot. I think fall. When is that date going to be revealed? That's all I I want to know. know. (laughs) I'm hoping for Christmas time so I can just hunker down and watch binge watch it. Yes. 
All right. While we're sipping our spicy margs, we want to get into this listener email from Joe. We had the pleasure of meeting Joe. This was such a nice flashback in our inbox when we were at the coronation in London for that fantastic listener gathering at the Londoner Hotel. She wrote in with feedback on our Lady Violet Manners episode. She said, hi, Rachel and Roberta. After listening to your interview with Lady Violet, I instantly downloaded the Duchess podcast series and began listening to the first episode. I couldn't believe it when Emma Rutland explored her first venue, Headingham Castle, as this is where I got married in 2009, having grown up just a few miles away. How did we not talk about this at the listener meetup, Roberta? This is amazing. She goes on, it was such a delight to listen to the custodian talk about its history in detail. I was especially excited to think I got ready for my wedding where Henry VIII had once walked. So cool. She adds, thank you for bringing another fabulous podcast to my attention. I already love it. I have family memberships for English Heritage, Historic Royal Palaces, and the National Trust. Therefore, I'll be taking my boys as I work my way around these castles and heritage buildings. Such a lovely note. I just, again, I wish we could gather, just do a redo on that whole occasion. (laughs) It was so nice to meet Joe in person. She is such a gem. And she wrote us also that she took some students to New York, which was really cool. And she was looking out for Rachel, which I thought was so I know, funny. That spotting made you on the my heart like swell. I thought that was so fun. I would have loved to bump into her. And next time we'll have to coordinate it. And also just a reminder, you guys, we're always open to guest suggestions. Lady Violet is an example of the vast royal space we have yet to cover. So if you have any niche ideas or favorites, please send us a note. Roberta. What is it? Info at gallerypodcasts.com. I can't say it with the same gusto that you give it. No, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I know the tangential royal space is full of people that we need to know about yes, and interview. Yes, absolutely. And now, this week in royal history. All right. Well, like I teased earlier, this week in royal history, cheers to Prince Harry's 39th birthday. Reminder that Harry is fifth in line to the throne, but on September 15th, 1984, when he was born Henry Charles Albert David at St. Mary's, he was only third in line to the throne. His brother William was just two years old, and Diana labored for nine hours. I dug up this clip from YouTube. It's from a newsreel post-birth of Harry. Here it is. Prince Charles emerged from the hospital. He'd been present at the birth as he'd been at the birth of his first son. All was set for a speedy departure, but it came as no surprise to anybody, except perhaps his personal press secretary, that he decided to have a word or two with the well-wishers clamouring at the barriers on the far side of the road. Were you expecting a boy? Did you tell us No, I mean, it doesn't matter what it was, as long as it was all right. And it was. It's Everybody crazy. seems to be so happy to you. Well, thank you very much. How's Princess Diana, sir? How's Princess Diana? Very well. Diana? Couldn't have gone better. Um, no, it was much quicker this time than last time. What does the baby look like? I have no idea yet. What have you chosen the name, sir? What colour eyes pale blue at the moment. And his hair? Sort of indeterminate colour at the moment. Have you chosen the name, sir? We've nearly got a full polo team. After that hurried interview with newsmen from many countries, the prince turned to the general public. A patient crowd, two-thirds of them women, who'd arrived during the morning determined to stay as long as it took to hear the news of the birth and see the happy royal father. But newsmen, public and the prince himself were constantly harried by nervous policemen and palace officials, and Prince Charles was eventually hurried away to that stiff drink he'd promised himself. 
I always find it funny that he answered, what does the baby look like? He said, I have no idea. And then they said, what a color are his eyes? He said, pale blue. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's really <laughs> in a flustered. Ends. Yeah, he's very flustered at this moment. Also, based on your low last week, is this clip kind of now obsolete where we had that additional footage from or audio from Diana? I was just going to say, Rachel, perfect segue. I'm always shocked that Harry's birthday falls at such a tough time for the royals. It's two weeks after his mother's passing, as we know, one week after the Queen's, his mother's funeral. The Queen's funeral was September 19th last year. And then last week, we had that newly resurfaced clip you just mentioned of Diana talking about Charles being upset that Harry was a boy. He had hoped beyond hope that it would be a girl. I think Charles would have really loved to have a daughter. And it just breaks my heart. Harry's birthday comes at such a sad time for the family. Yeah, but the bright spot, I guess, is just I was thinking about how it's on Friday this week, right? And that's Mm. kind of the eve of Invictus ending. And we'll get into that, of course. But just the joy from the moment he touched down in Dusseldorf has been so honestly just radiating from every single picture. I know. He's so in his element at Evictus. I will call out that last year, of course, we didn't have the memoir published yet, Harry's Mm -hmm. memoir. And there were birthday tributes from the royal family. All of them were old pictures. None of them included Meghan. I'm interested to see what the royal family will do on Harry's birthday this Friday post-spare. What does that look like? Are they going to even post? Are they going to acknowledge it? They don't acknowledge Megan's at all. They didn't? I I forgot to check that. Yeah, no. So it'll be just so fascinating to see. I mean... I hope Megan has a surprise party planned on Friday in Germany. I think they're staying at like the penthouse at the Hyatt Regency there. So that'll maybe be a fun place to have a party. Who knows? But like we mentioned, Harry's at Invictus. And I wanted to slide this into the history section because it's a quick update. Megan arrived yesterday. She went straight away to the family and friends reception. Each Invictus competitor gets two plus ones. She was wearing that cute Banana Republic shirt dress. I thought it was cute. It's on sale for $70. It's not sold out yet. And you get an extra 15%. So I could not help myself. I bought the dress. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. Now I'm, I'm hijacking my low. I could not get it, Roberta. This was Wait, my why? low. Oh, because, because the size. I, no, no, no. It was just, it was sold out too quick. I threw it in my cart, but I was reading the reviews. Wait, I got it, it this morning. Did they restock? Oh, maybe they restocked. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We got to hold the episode. Hold the episode. We got to check this. It's the Poplin. It's pleated. $59 with the discount. It's like okay, so. We're checking it live. We're checking it so live. Cheap. Poplin pleated shirt dress. I called Paramus, New Jersey last night. Stop. Because it said that it was still in stock. This was my low. I could not get my wait, hands on this. Should I send you the link? It, yeah, I found send it the like link. an hour ago. <laughs> Excuse us, that? dear listeners, for prioritizing our royal it? shopping oh, for a minute. Oh, maybe it's only in white now. Oh, my God. They must have restocked and sold out again. <gasps> Wait, it's only really? in white. Can you send me the yeah. link? Yeah, they are only showing the white colorway. This was literally an hour ago. I'll forward you the the receipt. I just did it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Roberta. I hope is... I didn't buy white. I feel like I made a mistake. <laughs> all right. No, all right. I, I'm pretty sure. I got a black belt, too, to match. Stop. I literally tried so hard last night. <laughs> well, we'll share it. We can I will share it. I will cry separately Let's do later. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pleated Dress. Yes, please. Well, anyways, <laughs> that was my low, guys. Sorry, I just took it away. But I was like, I loved this and I wanted it so bad. And I just, no matter how hard I sleuthed and tried and called, I couldn't get it. I also had one quick thought that I was going to add is I somewhat thought I might have been shopping for Megan's Joy. 
Like, mm. I was like, will this dress bring me the joy Aww. that radiates from this? Because she just looked radiant. Well, that's the thing, too, is I think this week is going to be so dangerous for my credit card statements because <laughs> today she stepped out for day four of Invictus in these gorgeous linen stodge shorts and a J. Crew cardigan that has crashed the website. You cannot navigate I didn't to even that try link. for that one because I saw that it The crashed. website's down. J. Yeah. Crew's website is down and I want the cardigan because it's it looks like a Chanel cardigan, but yes. it's J. Crew and it's like 155. So that's the update. The only thing I was going to discuss, but I don't feel like we need to actually anymore, but I was just going to ask you if you feel like with Megan's presence, the attention shifts to Invictus versus without her. And I wonder if that ever makes Harry kind of jealous or annoyed. But isn't or that the same with like, Kate and William when you think about it? Yeah, like, that's it's true. Kind, like, I, I love William and I love Harry, but I need my investment is the, the gals, the ladies. The outfits. The outfits. I mean, but I, I do care, too, about their work, but I just... I love seeing all the details, the family parts like, of them, like any nugget about the kids, all that stuff. Yeah. The next iteration of this podcast could be outfit obsessed. Yes. yes. Because I, I, that's like the, that's what brings me joy. It's so true. All right. I also randomly got a Stodd catalog in the mail this week. They know. like dangerous. They definitely know. They're listening. All right. Yes. News. All updates. right. News. News. Flashing back to a slightly more somber, but still, I want to talk about this in a minute. Joyful moment is... Queen Elizabeth and the many tributes that played out on Friday. Specifically, we saw Kate and William at St. David's Cathedral in Wales. I felt like this is only fair of me to give the same scrutiny I gave to Meghan's Will Coat moment in Montecito in August when it was a warmer day, even though we debated that in terms of it can get cool there. It's a heat wave or they're coming off of it in the UK. And Kate, who looked absolutely stunning in her Eponine London repeat the burgundy color that she wore to the Christmas concert. I was so curious how she didn't look like the hot mess that I did this whole week when it is 86 degrees over there. And even in a t-shirt, I was, you know, glistening, I guess is the right word. A glistening. That makes it sound so elegant. And I, I do feel like it is kind of unfortunate. And it's also very obvious that Kate doesn't get as much flack for wearing a coat in 80 degrees as Megan does for wearing a coat because yeah. we saw her in that gorgeous Max Meyer coat about a month ago. And I just, I don't understand. It was hot for Kate. And yet somehow everyone does, looks just doesn't care as much about yeah. I don't know I just want to know if someone has like oil blotting sheets or maybe she oh, doesn't definitely. have that situation but like it was supposedly incredibly hot it was making headlines degrees, over yeah. there um, I also thought it was interesting that she and I liked that she chose that consistency that connection to the Christmas concert from 2022 because that was right after the queen had passed and it's a big moment for Kate when the whole family stepped out all wearing burgundy as we remember and that was a little bit weird post the docuseries but I thought that was a nice connection to draw and she also wore the Queen's diamond and pearl drop earrings. As a whole, the look was exquisite. And I also think that there were some really terrific images of Kate and William from that. Just so much happiness and connective shots. Chris Jackson was obviously covering it, and he just nails that every time. All right, moving on. The King and Queen. This was unexpected. We did not think that we were going to see them on the anniversary of Charles's accession day. Queen's passing. But they stepped out at Crathy Kirk, which is a parish near Balmoral. I thought it was really nice to see them. I thought Camilla looked very elegant. And it was just kind of to have that be a surprise was really nice. We also saw the Chatto Boys, who I don't mean to say this, but I kind of forgot about. And that was just, you know, you talk about the slimmed down monarchy. It's nice to see that extension. That's obviously Princess Margaret's 
grandsons. They are so good looking. They are. I know. And I kind of caught up with where they are. You know, Arthur's 24 and he's in the Marines. Sam is 27. He's a potter and a yoga (laughs) instructor and he has a girlfriend. I was like, gosh, we Is it a potter or a ceramicist? Mm, Good question. I think you could. (laughs) I think that they alternate, but he's kind of dreamy, both of them. So I liked that that was kind of that. It's nice to see other members of the family pop up unexpectedly. And this whole engagement or whole opportunity to see the king and queen was unexpected. Yeah. And speaking of unexpected, Harry at St. George's Chapel. Yes. What did you think about that? What was your reaction? Because that obviously, you know, the royal Twitterverse or Xverse, what do we call it now? I'm not calling it the Xverse. No, no. It was a flutter with everyone saying that Harry's intention was to upstage. I did see that he, I'm not sure how much truth there is to this, but that he was joining Eugenie and B paying respects privately at St. George's Chapel. What was your reaction? Yeah, what I just read is actually that there was a service planned by the royal family at St. George's Chapel. Prince Edward and Prince Andrew were in attendance. Harry found out about that when he visited the crypt of Queen Elizabeth. And so I think to not even be aware that your family is having this service and be caught off guard a little bit and you show up and they're like getting ready for it would just be really hard. I feel like this was a really nice way for him to honor her privately, though, on the day of her passing. And I I guess a couple other members of the royal family did the exact same thing as he did and that the palace gave their blessing. Supposedly, that was the report I read. So who knows? I just think that he looked so somber coming out and it it breaks my heart again that there's so many sad events around his birthday. It's not all about his birthday, but no, it's no, a no. hard time. But we care passionately about birthdays on this podcast <laughs> as as um, fellow September babies right here with Harry. No, but I, I, I agree. I also feel like this is just not something I want to scrutinize. I think it's something if he wants to pay his respects in whatever way. And I'm kind of tired of the whole who bumped who off the front page of the tabloids. I know. And I just, ugh, I don't know. I did want to mention because I said at the top that I did feel like the tone of the day felt so joyful across the board. You know, yes, you had this these moments of silence that we saw Kate and William carry out. Supposedly, they spend an extra long time laying the flowers at St. David's. But Charles was so gleeful, you know, going through Getty Images. He just looked so happy. And that's how you feel when you're fortunate enough to have a family member that lives such a long and wonderful life. So I liked that that was the tone of the day. Oh, that's so true. That's really sweet. And to have such wonderful, beautiful tributes. I think on Instagram, I saw a lot, too, of the illustrations of her, especially Lucy Claire, who's amazing, and who Elizabeth Holmes had on her newsletter this week. It's it's really nice to see those tributes as well. All right. I'm going to quickly do this discussion about Kate's new look. I'm excited. Because I think that is all we really want to talk about recently <laughs> is... So Kate, we've seen in five different outfits in the last five days. Of course, one was pre-recorded, but we had her in two different outfits in Wales for the Queen's tributes. We had the good, the bad, the rugby video. We had the rugby match in Marseille, France, and the prison visit. All of these were repeats. All were suits or coat dresses, except for that Welsh active wear. This one clip from the good, the bad, and the rugby is getting a lot of play, and it's hilarious, so I'm going to play it right now. Where did your... Because I'm not going to say you're a competitive... <laughs> where? Yeah, where? I've seen that. I've seen. I've seen a play. I've seen a play beer pop. Really? Where does that come from? Because I know your dad's a massive cricket fan, isn't he? And, uh, but where? We, and yeah, so I suppose sports in general. And actually, if I ask both my parents, you know, who is the most competitive, I think they have probably like William and I. I'd sit down for quite a long time arguing who was the most competitive and who was the most sporty of the two of them. 
Um, but I suppose as a family, we're just very active. And I can always remember being physical, using our bodies, whether it's walking, in the, you know, climbing the Lake District or Scotland, swimming from a young age. They always encouraged us to be physically active and, and sporty. And they always encouraged us into doing team, team sports and trying things. I do love the insight into Kate's childhood and how competitive Carol also is because she she mentioned that and William backed her up on that, but also that she plays beer pong. I just <laughs> out of left field and she kind of swept that under the rug, but I like that Mike Tyndall called her out for that. I definitely like these insights into the competitiveness too. And I think that it, they just spoke so compellingly about it. It made me think about how I should be inserting more of that into my life. And I just signed Finn up for soccer. So all of that is a priority now. Oh, that's exciting. Okay, discussion time. Thoughts on Kate's new look. People have so many opinions, particularly about the new hair. I think it's curtain bangs. It's also a slightly different color. She had some kind of hair redo over the summer, late summer. Very late, right? Yeah, it was a total switch. What do you think about it? I think I liked it more in France than I did at the prison visit. I think I'm still just getting used to it. And she has such signature quaffed like very distinctive curls always that it feel mm-hmm. more structured so I'm still adjusting it is very modern what do you think I feel like the main conversation people are having is how much it reminds them of Megan yes. which in my mind is a little bit of a stretch only because I don't think Megan ever really had curtain bangs I can see the middle part for sure and I think some of the styles especially like you called out before we started recording with the white suit that whole look looks very Megan Invictus games because she wore a white suit in the same kind of hairstyle, but it's a hairstyle. I feel like if you got curtain bangs and I did too, it would it would be not copying because that's a trend. I don't know. Yes. I think what catches me off guard is just the timing of it where I feel like I do think that we call out so frequently how... Kate pays homage to Diana or to different mm-hmm. people. And we always are comparing where different looks came from. And I feel like with Kate wearing that all white suit, the hair and that pendant necklace, it felt a little down to a T of mirroring so what true. Megan yeah. wore on that occasion just one year ago. And that's okay. Like, I'm, that's not, okay. Yeah. I'm not mad about it, but I think we just need to be like, wow, like she yeah, is, it's like a tribute to Megan like totally. or something. She's taking her cue from Megan and that's okay. And she looked I great. Think- and I think that's where I'm getting a little hung up is people getting mad about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not I think mad about the it. The tribute I think she looks is great. actually really nice. And I think to have a lot of her Kate's recent looks inspired by or maybe just riffing off of some of the styles that Megan maybe brought over from the U.S. when her time, her short time as a royal, I do think that's okay. I think that, yeah. you know, it's it's also modern work woman style. Kate's wearing a lot of suits. We didn't see Megan in a ton of suits. So I I don't think that it's copying. I think that it's just nice. Like, yeah, it's like a a tribute tribute. to it. And I think that that's the thing. Sometimes I was really in my head about it. And it's just kind of, you know, what if I mean, we do not know what is going on in their heads, right? What if Kate was honoring the Invictus Games from last year subtly? Like we give so much. I don't know, but we we tend to live in a place of animosity between Kate and Megan, That's, which potentially yeah. exists. I mean, they have a lot of reasons based on Spare to have that, but mm-hmm. it just was interesting to see her step out and made, I think, many of us do a massive double take. Yeah, totally. I also thought the double takes came from on the prison visit, the Band-Aids on Kate's hand. Yeah, what was that? That we know now it was from a trampoline accident is what a spokesperson, I guess, told the Daily Mail. It was a trampoline mishap with George Charlotte and Louis, which 
uh, is bound to happen, I would assume. But it sounds like they had a really fun summer and they said it wasn't serious at all. She didn't need to be in hospital. Nothing was broken. So I'm scared of trampolines. I just am going to say that here. <laughs> I took Finn to her recently to a trampoline park in Brooklyn and it was so scary for me. I kind of think. They're fun. A part, of, a part of me, like when you Google Kate Middleton trampoline, it actually talks about how one of her favorite workouts is trampoline. And I wonder if oh. the kids were just an excuse <laughs> that she, <laughs> she was had doing an injury trampoline. just by herself. Yeah, because there's a trampoline workout place here in Florida where my parents live, and it's like very aggressive. And I always fall off. I like fling myself off of it <laughs> if I ever go with a friend. Oh, I just wanted to mention quickly Sarah Burton's departure from Alexander McQueen. That will be very interesting to continue to watch Kate's style evolution and what that will look like post Burton McQueen. So I know. And not to mention Elizabeth Holmes twice in this episode. We obviously love her. But she had a <laughs> terrific newsletter today that or I guess it came out last night about this departure. And I feel like it's just I hope that Sarah Burton and Kate continue to collaborate. Yeah, like maybe there's some relationship that they're dreaming up together. Who knows? Or maybe she's just taking a break. Well, and I hope they bring someone really fabulous into McQueen as the creative director, because I think that would be really exciting, too, to kind of enliven the brand. Yeah. And also just, I think, reading about what Sarah Burton did for that brand when uh, Alexander McQueen passed away unexpectedly. Yeah. All right. And now our conversation with Cynthia Holt from Sotheby's. Rose, please give a royal welcome to Cynthia Holton, Sotheby's Global Head of Fashion and Accessories. As you've undoubtedly heard us discuss on the pod, Sotheby's is auctioning off Princess Diana's original warm and wonderful sheep sweater, worn by the princess in 1981. The auction is going on now and runs through September 14th, and we're thrilled, Roberta and I, to be here in person with Cynthia at Sotheby's in New York City to discuss. Thank you for joining, Cynthia. Thank you. We wanted to jump off with understanding the scope of royal items that have been auctioned off within Sotheby's history. So Sotheby's has, uh, we've been very fortunate that we've had opportunity to sell lots of royal pieces. Certainly the record holder was a Marie Antoinette pearl and diamond necklace that we sold for $36 million. We haven't sold anything else close to $36 million, but certainly there is a huge amount of interest in, in royal pieces. Yeah. In addition to the sheep sweater, while we're here, there's also another Diana item being auctioned off. The Murray Arbide, am I saying that right? Arbide. Arbide gown she wore to Prince Edward's 21st birthday in 1985. Can you tell us about that? That was so exciting to turn the corner and see. So this gown, what's special about this gown is Princess Diana really wanted to support British designers. And so Marie Arbard was a British designer. The other thing that's super interesting about this piece is she actually wore this piece twice. And the first time she wore it, another woman was actually wearing the same dress at the party. And the other one went to the queen and asked her, oh, should I leave? She was really embarrassed. And the queen said, oh, you know, please enjoy the party. Have a good time. And despite the fact that Diana was wearing the same dress as someone else at this party, later that year, she wore it again. And so certainly it didn't bother her. Um, And this was a gown that you could buy in a a department store, obviously a high-end department store. But um, she wasn't, you know, everything she had wasn't custom made for her. She wore things that other people can purchase. And she didn't feel bad if other people were wearing the same pieces she was. I love that. It's so neat to see that up close. So, Cynthia, we've interviewed Joanna Moore and Sally Osborne, who were here this morning, we understand, at Sotheby's. They're the original creators of the sweater. We wondered with them where Diana's original sweater ended up, given we now know she had two. It just so happens it was in their attic all along. Can you tell us how the miracle of finding the real sweater came about? 
So Sally was uh, looking for patterns in her attic and she came across a small box and she opened it and was shocked to see this sweater. And at first she couldn't believe it. When they received the sweater back, they were in a super busy time in their company. They had strong demand. Certainly Princess Diana helped them. And um, they just thought the sweater uh, got lost or sent to another buyer. And when they saw it, they took a closer look and they saw the damage on the, the cuff. And then they brought it to us and we work with a third party to help us authenticate uh, these types of pieces. And in fact, it is the original sweater. Wow. Can you tell us a bit more about that authentication process? How do you know with certainty? I know that there's the pull in the cuff. What do you look at for that? So in any um, similar to how we authenticate sports memorabilia, we use companies that uh, specialize in in photo matching. If you really think about it, it's somewhat like, you know, forensic scientist kind of process, right? They really, they basically look at pieces, uh, pictures of her wearing the original sweater, and we try to find as many angles and images of her wearing the original sweater. And then we look at the, the sweater that we had, and we basically segment it into pieces and try to photo match very specific parts. The thing that's true about these sweaters is they were they were somewhat all unique. They were while they were machine made, they were hand sewn together. And so a lot of the uniqueness of each sweater is how the seams come together, exactly how the sheep, how all the sheep were made. And we had several points of match on the pictures of her and this sweater. This may be a silly question. Is there any DNA matching that goes on? <laughs> so, um, so we don't have her DNA, and we. So, no, that isn't something that okay. that we we did or we do. Um, I think that tends to be for law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because so it's all photo matching. Yep. The level of sophistication you can do with photo matching, if you think about how it's done, is we're literally going through kind of segment by segment and um, comparing because the age of the sweater and like different elements like the eyes, there are a lot of uniqueness to this piece that we're able to match. Wow. So fascinating. And when did, when were you first alerted of the sweater's existence? Was this like years ago or? No, no. So, so they just rediscovered in their attic earlier this year. And then once they thought it was the original, they thought, you know, ultimately this piece belongs in with someone who's truly a collector. And uh, so they brought it to us. Amazing. I love that. Um, and we've heard theories. I just wanted to ask about the tear on the cuff. We mentioned that sort of the snag. Have, has there been any way to authenticate those that it was Diana getting her engagement ring caught in? I think that was Joanna and Sally's theory. I think that unless she was wearing the engagement ring on the other hand, it you know, but it certainly could have been a piece of jewelry. Yeah. It's certainly, again, like if we think of loose knits, it's very easy to snag it on a piece of jewelry, whether it's a bracelet or a ring. Because mm, it was the right hand. Oh. Well, the bidding has been open one week. It's already up to a staggering 120000 with 14 bids. It was anticipated it would sell for between $50,000 and $80,000. To us royal watchers and perhaps Diana's sons, this sweater is practically priceless. What are the expectations around the eventual sale price of the item? Is it surprising to see it this high one weekend? So ultimately, uh, it's hard to predict. Whenever we, whenever Sotheby's receives a truly one-of-one one item that's never been to market, we do our best estimate of looking for previous comps, and that's how we set the initial estimate. But ultimately, the market decides, and the early bidding activity certainly shows there's interest in the market. We'll ultimately know on the 14th. I think that um, it's really hard to predict what the final outcome will be for this piece because of how special it is, the fact that it has never come to market, and 
And if we think of a piece of apparel that has been written about more, I can't think of another piece, even from Princess Diana, that has been written about more in the press for over 40 years. So with those attributes, we really, it's, it's hard for us to predict. We did sell Princess Diana gown earlier this year for over $600,000. Wow, so what was the gown? I... It was uh, Victor Edelstein. Oh, it was yes. uh, velvet, um, strapless. She was photographed in Vanity Fair wearing this gown. And so certainly it is a famous gown and it did sell for just over 600000 So certainly that has set a new bar for apparel pieces from Princess Diana. So that's a re- more recent comp for a gown but we certainly don't know where the sweater will finally sell. Yeah, it's exciting to follow along. Can you, now, the bidder also gets, we did want to ask you, along with the sweater, two letters from Kensington Palace. Can you just tell us a little bit about both of those? So when she was photographed in 1981 at the polo match wearing the sweater, soon after she got married, a letter came to Warm and Wonderful saying that she had damaged the sweater. And she asked, could the sweater be repaired? They, she returned the sweater or um, could she get a replacement? And they looked at the damage and realized that they didn't really feel like they could repair it. And so they sent her a new sweater. So the first letter is explaining the damage and that, that she'd like replacement or repair. And the second letter is thanking Warm and Wonderful for sending the new sweater. So those are the letters that you you receive with the sweater. There's been so much speculation before the letters came out, how much the sweater meant to her. I think the letters certainly prove that the sweater did mean something to her. And then the final piece is she wore it two years later. So she actually wore the replacement sweater, styled it very differently, much more sophisticated. But you know, she asked for a replacement and then she wore it again to another polo match in a very public place where, of course, she knew she'd be photographed. Yeah. Oh, I love that as a full package. And it's neat it's so because special. the letters are on display at Sotheby's here now with the sweater and you can see the Buckingham Palace letterhead, which yeah. is just so cool. So special to walk through. Yes. All right. Last question. So not sure if you can speak to this, Cynthia, but if Princes William or Harry were to bid on this, would it be through a third party? Would we even know they were bidding? <laughs> so we <laughs> Total speculation. So we would never disclose yeah. who, who is bidding. You know, that's what we do at Sotheby's, you know, buyers and sellers, if they choose to remain private, we certainly respect that. So if they did bid, we would never be able to disclose that unless they disclose that. Are museums able to bid on this as well? Absolutely. So if we think of the categories of bidders, institutions and museums are certainly a category that bid at Sotheby's, mm-hmm. you know, not just for Diana pieces, yeah. but they are known clients of Sotheby's. And certainly they are likely people that would bid. Private collectors of royals, you know, people that are certainly interested in Princess Diana are another group. And then we have another group of people that are ultimately, you know, very high net worth individuals that are often looking for really unique pieces to add to their collection. And certainly this would come on a lot of people's radar as a really great piece to add to a permanent private collection of really great pieces. It's so neat. So it's fascinating. Well, yes. thank you so much, Cynthia, for taking time out of your day to speak with us. It has been such a treat to be here in person at Sotheby's together. And we can't wait to see what the sweater goes for. Hey, guys, it's Rachel and Roberta. We're jumping in because we have been on the edge of our seats watching the sheep sweater numbers climb. It officially sold today. It's Thursday. We're reporting it here. Roberta, drum roll. The final number, $1,143,000. My jaw is on the floor right now, Rachel. I know. I literally was watching it, and I feel like in the final seconds, I think it was hit 450000 and that made my jaw hit the floor. And then I went to get a glass of water, and a second later, over a million. 
Over a million. They kept extending it by every two minutes. They said this would happen. They'd keep the phone lines open. They could extend the bidding. And I know that we might not ever find out who actually placed the winning bid, but I hope that one day we're able to see it in a museum or find out who that winner is. I'm so, so curious to find out. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. And I do feel like this feels totally right and appropriate. It's a place in royal history that this sheep sweater holds. And I just, I'm so happy that it hit that number. Me too. Now, back to the episode. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. All right, now, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows. I think my low is something we covered earlier, but I just want to restate this competition in the news is just really throwing me for a loop after seven weeks of pretty much silence from both California and the UK. I think it's just who's knocking who off the front page. Yes. It's a lot. It's a lot. I think people were like, oh, they've, you know, tried to overshadow Invictus with this good, the bad, the rugby video. It's it's so much. I think they're both doing their own schedules. They're not privy to the others. So it's yeah. just let's stop with that. Let's stop I, with that. I hear here. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Well, Milo, I also kind of already took from above, but I just on the spot thought of another one, which is uh, my low is Chris Jackson's likely color-coded calendar that he keeps with Natasha, because that's what I was thinking of, right? Because he's at he, his credits with all these images, these fantastic images we're seeing, he's at Invictus. Didn't he shoot the, fil- the photos for Good, Bad, and the Rugby as well behind the scenes? Yeah. Like he is everywhere right now for all of these different Queen Elizabeth moments, um, paying tribute to her. So anyways, just thinking of how that scheduling goes in their household, I would be so overwhelmed. And like the fact that he's so or so close to probably Harry's camp and also Williams, just the go between. Is he the real peacemaker here? We have no idea. I'm just wondering. Hot take. I love it. Hot take. My high this week is just that Megan at In-N-Out sighting. I think she mentioned it in her speech at the family and friends event for Invictus that they had gotten milkshakes for the kids. She was caught in the drive through pre-flight from LAX to London, where she was there for two hours and then flew to Germany. And I wonder, Rachel, do you have a pre-flight ritual? I do not. Fast food? Fast but food. I know that you do. From traveling with you to the coronation, Roberta has I'm this so all on lock with what to do at the airport. Remember, you were like in the VIP lounge for the airline. Oh, and I'm I was a like, big I'm Sky Club person. Remember, I was like, I'm in the security line. You were like, you don't have TSA pre-check. And I was like, Roberta, <laughs> teach me your ways. Okay, I'm a pre-check girl. I'm a Sky Club girl. I'm a Centurion lounge girl. <laughs> I fly so much that I do feel like you have to do these things in order to stay sane. And then Another thing I used to do when I flew out of New York a lot when I lived there out of JFK was Shake Shack. So just that Megan so gets you, in and out before the airport just made me happy. Similar vibes for you. Can you please also write a story for this about this for Pure Wow? Because I want to oh, read yeah. it. Your hot all t- the your, flight things you need all to your do. flight insights. Okay, finally, my high is just this little nugget of wisdom we got from a random source, but Carrie Johnson, wife of the former PM, Boris Johnson, shared on Instagram this photo of a note she received from Queen Elizabeth when she stayed, we don't know the exact date, at Balmoral, that she got a note on her pillow that was handwritten that said, ma'am, her majesty will be wearing an ice blue cocktail dress for dinner this evening. Apparently, this was an insight that was granted to guests so that they didn't overlap in terms of color with the queen. It just and it wasn't something that the queen was bothered by. She just wanted to spare them the embarrassment that they might feel. And Angela Kelly gave some of these insights in the other side of the coin 
that this was something that was pinned up for the ladies' maids that were helping the guests. It was this orchestrated affair to carry out and make sure everyone felt good about how they dressed. I loved this. I love this too, this insight. And just on like Buckingham Palace stationery too, it's just so fabulous. And I think if I packed only an ice blue dress, I would have a massive, massive panic attack. (laughs) I know. I know. Me too. (laughs) All right. Just a reminder before we close, we have gotten so many wonderful reviews and we would love if we kept them coming for the rest of this month, the rest of the year. This one is from Casual Royal Watcher, five stars. They said, each week I eagerly wait for the episode release. This podcast brings multiple facets to the world of the royals and makes for such a great listen. They titled this Appointment Listen. We are so honored to be an appointment listen for you. Thank you so much for writing in these kind words. All right. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Send us an email. Guest recommendations. We're gearing up for a huge fall with some incredible guests. I feel like I want to spill the beans right now to you, but I'm not going to. So email us your suggestions at info at gallerypodcast.com. Until next week, God God save the the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.